0: Well, hello there and welcome back to my weekly show. I'm Father Roderick, still recovering from COVID 19. Still got some nasty side effects, but it's already a ton better than it was a couple of weeks ago. So glad you are here too. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This episode, like everything I do online, is brought to you thanks to my thriving community on Patreon, my monthly supporters that help me out. And in return, I provide them with an extra hour of entertainment every week, a show that you cannot listen to anywhere else. It's called Father Roderick to the Max. It is very much like this show. So if you like this kind of content and this style, then you will definitely enjoy Father Roderick to the max. But the topics are completely different. So there is a lot of stuff that I talk about that I won't talk about in this show. So if you're interested, or if you just want to support me and help me out, then by all means, take a look at patreon.com slash Father Roderick. Do you know what's going on? This is what's happening in your world. Face it, Catholics rule. We got Boston, South America, the good part of Ireland, and we're making serious inroads in Mozambique, baby. Taken your first step into a larger world. These are strange times. We we switch to winter time, and I think oh, and now this is my uh, phone for some reason. Oh, that's a friend of mine He's trying to call me. Of course, right at the moment I start my show, and I know that he's going to listen to this podcast. So, Sebastian, thank you so much for messing up my entire intro and keep taking me completely off track because I don't know what I was talking about. These are strange times. We switch to winter time. I think that's true for uh well at least part of the world i guess that my listeners in new zealand and and australia are thinking what winter it's you know it's getting we're we're, we're getting ready for springtime (laughs) but it's getting dark so early and it's depressing because these are already dark times you know in every other sense of the word and now we don't get to enjoy much sunlight. I, I'll be so glad when they finally stop this nonsense of switching times uh, twice a year. Uh, over in Europe, at least, they want to get rid of that. But now, of course, <laughs> they're, they're fighting about what what time to adopt. Are we going to adopt daylight savings time or the other time? Are we going to do wintertime or summertime? And there are different arguments. Apparently, from what I heard, wintertime is most congruent with Our natural system but then there are some proponents for summertime uh, settings because then it will stay uh, this it will stay light longer and that's good for the economy because well people will go sit and drink beers Um, I would say if you choose choose what's good for our biological system because ultimately that will be good for the economy as well Uh, but whatever they choose as long as we don't have to change twice a year, because it's always messing up my mood. It's, (laughs) well, wintertime is actually quite relaxed because then you can sleep a little bit longer and God knows that I need extra sleep now that I'm recovering from COVID, but... Uh, in the summer, when you switch to summertime, it's stressful. It's so stressful because then it takes me at least two weeks to kind of get in that rhythm of waking up an, an hour early. Thank you, Chin, for your for your support. Um, the, I'm always putting this on live, and then sometimes on YouTube, people will uh, will do like a super chat, which is also a way in which you can support me. So, and I always want to be uh, polite and thank everyone who who does that, so thank you so much for Chin. I'm also super excited to let you know, speaking of YouTube streams, that I'm gonna resume, um, at least within my my, uh, possibilities, I'm gonna resume Lego streams, which I know a lot of you love. It's just me chatting while I'm building Lego sets, and I've got a ton of of, of Lego sets still waiting to be built. I've got a backlog that will keep me busy until 2022. Um, but I finally created space uh, here in the studio to, to do these Lego streams. That was one of the big issues that I had is just I didn't have a table because we're still working at, here at the rectory. Upstairs, I don't even have a floor. Well, I do have a floor to walk on, but there is no carpet or anything. We removed that because we had to get in the floor to completely redo the electricity and the internet cable, cabling that is not yet finished, so upstairs it's a big mess. Um, and then uh, I'm also still like there are rooms that have no curtains, and then every everything else here on the on the ground level floor was a mess because we had to move all the equipment from our previous um, offices to to my place, to my home basically um and i do, just don't have much storage space. It's a big house, but there is almost no there are no there there's no well there's a big attic. But if you have like el- electronics and and that sort of stuff, you just basically need cupboards. So i had everything on this big table here in the on the left side of of me. And uh that was the table that I hope to be to use for for Lego builds because you need quite a bit of space. If you remember if you've ever seen my streams where I'm building uh, Hogwarts Castle with Lego, that was a huge table. Um, and I, I made it even bigger by using, I think two sides of an Ikea cupboard that I just got for free at my local Ikea here and uh, put those on the table to expand basically the space because there were just so many pieces. Um, Well, I don't think that for my current sets, I need that much space, but it's nice to have finally cleaned the table. And I would have done this earlier if it hadn't been for COVID, which as I mentioned before, has caused me uh, to suffer from Just these days that I'm completely wiped out. Uh, I can get tired from just walking to the local supermarket and getting some groceries. Um, And I'll have to, uh, you know, recover for for hours after that. It's it's insane. There are fortunately, thankfully, there are days that I feel fine and that I can work a little bit. So the other day I was able to go and film uh, another TV show. Tomorrow I'll be traveling quite a bit uh, to record another TV episode. Uh, And and I just have to kind of gamble that I'll have a good day. If I don't have a good day, then it's going to be extremely taxing. It's part of, you know, what a lot of people that have had COVID-19 are suffering from. Could have been much worse. Um, I know people that are still uh, not smelling anything or they have these phantom smells. That could be the name of a new Star Wars movie, you know. Star Wars Ten, the phantom smell. Uh, so they will smell things that are not there, like cigarette smoke or candles or whatever, um, and they will completely misinterpret some other smells. Like coffee may may smell like uh, rubber or oil, uh, you know, ga- gasoline. I'm very thankful that I don't have that. Um, Oliver, also thank you so much for your uh, for your super chat uh, over on YouTube. I appreciate it. So I'm. I'm also, looking at the bright side and on the on upside, I can smell everything again. At least I think I do. Um, and my food tastes just like normal and coffee is just like it was. And, you know, the, the golden times of my coffee consumption. So I'm, I'm ready to go to Rome. Unfortunately, Rome is not ready to receive me because Italy also is going through some tough times now with the second wave. We're, we're here in the Netherlands also in the middle of the second wave. They're doing everything they can to flatten the curve because already our hospitals are bracing for impact. And uh, it's rumored that tomorrow we'll get even stricter measures. I'm not sure if it's going to be a total lockdown, but they definitely want to pe- have people stay home. So I don't know what that's going to mean for Christmas and for the holidays. It's going to... I think require a lot of creativity to, you know, still celebrate the holidays. We'll have to do it in a safe way because I can tell you from experience, COVID is something you want to avoid at all at, at, at all costs. And you certainly don't want to give it to other people because it's, uh, you know, it's pretty terrible. <laughs> all right, let's get on with the show. And let's talk a little bit about movies and TV shows, starting with, of course, Mandalorian season two, it's here. One of the bright spots, I think, in these dark times. And wow, what a bright spot was that first episode! I'm, of course, not going to spoil anything for those of you that are still uh, waiting uh, to, to to see it, or for uh, for some other reason haven't been able to get around to watching that first episode. How do you not like movies? They're predictable. Like, the guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Not liking movies is like not liking puppies. They're fine. I just get bored and never make it to the end. You know, you need a movie education. You need a movication. I'm going to give it to you. Right before I press the button of this jingle, someone asked me, did you see The Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1? Yes, I did, finally. It took me three days. Normally, I'd be sitting, you know, very early on Friday morning uh, in front of my TV, waiting for the episode to go online and knowing that I will be one of the first people to see that episode because, well, uh, most of the world is still asleep. Except for, of course, again, my friends in New Zealand and Australia. Um, But this time, I really did not have the time nor the energy to watch it. And I wanted to be in a good mood. I wanted to feel fit. And so I kind of postponed it until uh, Sunday evening. So I'm recording this on Monday evening. Yesterday evening, after Mass for Geeks, um, I watched it together with Inge and Henk, uh, my two uh, partners in crime, you could say, when it comes to organizing uh, the live stream on Sunday And I had a great time. It was really cool. We had brownies. Inga made some brownies. Super caloric. Uh, I think there was a ton of chocolate and butter in it. And she served it with ice cream, of course, because why not add another thousand calories? So I think that one episode viewing uh, (laughs) just added an extra two pounds to my to my overall body weight. Um, but it was it was glorious. What a great episode! I still always have to pinch myself and tell me this: we're watching a TV show. This looks better than most of the Star Wars movies. We get to see stuff that we could only dream about in the past. They they are filling in blanks in the Star Wars canon, things that are just mentioned, sometimes it's a character you see in the background or a a certain alien race, and then they get, you know, they become front and center in this series, and they do it with so much taste and so much quality. I mean, we get to see this planet that we are very familiar with, again, no spoilers here, in this first episode, but it's never looked this good in the movies, it's like, wow, if only the prequels could have been able to show us the planet this way. <sighs> Unbelievable. It makes you really want to go, I don't know. I don't want a reboot, of course, of the, of the original movies. I think you should respect the Star Wars movies as they are, even though they have many flaws. But I'm so glad that at least they can inject a, some extra experience that will also, I think... Kind of reframe what we see in the existing movies and give it some more depths, and and uh, they definitely did that with the Mandalorian. Now, of course, this is all taking place in the in the kind of the familiar time frame surrounding the original trilogy. This is post Return of the Jedi, but it's still in that same that same time and same culture in a certain way, and so seeing a lot of these. Uh, getting a lot of this background information and getting this this extra fabric added to, to the Star Wars universe of those first three movies is is making my day. I never thought I'd, I'd see this. And, oh, my gosh, that first episode is so spectacular. And there's so many twists and turns and surprises. and And also, and that is going to be, I think, what I'm going to focus on in my YouTube commentary because, you know, this is just a... General impressions, uh, a talk, but I'm I'm dying to do like specific videos, like I did last year, based on every episode, and going to the like the extra layers that are in every uh, episode, because that's I think what defines Star Wars. It is you can you can read Star Wars in 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 on many different levels. You can just watch the adventure enjoy it uh, you know be in awe of the special effects and of the of the you know the quality of the production but then you can also go deeper and and think about you know what what, what does this mean within the context of, of what we already know about Star Wars and so it it fills in things it, it it's got a ton of references there's a lot of not really fan servers the way Star Trek does it because in Star Trek sometimes it's a little bit over the top and you're like oh they're just like like trying to please the fans, but it doesn't have much relation to the story they're telling here. It's always done in moderation, but it's done in, I think it's done very tastefully uh, but but there is an even deeper level, and that is the symbolic nature of the events in in every Star Wars story. So you can always wonder what 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 is the the extra meaning of of the, what we see, of the themes. It's always about choices, of course. Star Wars is about choices that people make. Um, and so it's always, it's always about us as well. It's also about our society because Star Wars touches upon a lot of these universal themes. I think that's a hallmark of, of Star Wars and, and, and it maybe sets it apart from something like Star Trek. Star Trek is very much about, you know, let's just take very current... Discussions in society, even political, moral discussions, and let's just give them a little, you know, Star Trek veneer, and then we're all hip and 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 up to date. Uh, I'm I'm kind of uh, maybe uh, not doing it enough justice, but I kind of feel like like Star Trek is uh, is so on top of trends in society that that could also age what what they do now a lot quicker than what Star Wars is doing. Star Wars is always focused on kind of universal themes that we know from fantasy literature, from the Bible, from, you know, religions, philosophy, uh, mythology. And so st- you can still watch A New Hope and 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 see a lot of relevancy of the themes in that movie for today. Whereas if you go back to, you know, what... what used to be, like, groundbreaking Star Trek episodes from, even from the original series, you know? And you're like, wow, yes, that reminds me that in those days, that was super new and shocking and and revolutionary. And now it's like, well, duh. <laughs> you know, having a woman on the bridge and even a black woman, that was a big thing for Star Trek. And they, they, they paved a way, maybe, culturally. But... It's also has aged quite a bit. And I think with Star Wars, it's a different type of storytelling. It's a different way to relate to uh, what's happening in society. It has to be relevant, of course. We we need to be able to relate to the story that is told and the way in which it's told. But it's done from such a different angle than what Star Trek is doing. Speaking of Star Trek, now that I'm still talking about that, the I, I watched the third episode of Star Trek Discovery, and, of course, I've never... Um, Shied away from from exposing you to my enthusiasm about uh, the you know this new era of Star Trek storytelling. I, I really like Star Trek, but in the third episode, and this was the first time, um, I experienced a little bit of kind of Star Trek trend fatigue. They're so gung ho on showing the 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 first what was it now a new a non binary character and but it's always so explicit so over the top so it gets shoved down your throat <laughs> to a point that it doesn't serve the story anymore and the story becomes this is my personal opinion you don't have to agree with that of course but the story almost suffers because of that and it 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 the story is kind of like the pretext sometimes for inter- for introducing the audience to a uh, certain, I don't know, political points that they want to make, or a certain, I don't know, uh, trend that they want to reinforce. Uh, the same was true in the first season, I thought, for the, for the two uh, doctors um, on, on board, which had a romantic relationship to male doctors. And it seemed to me like, and this is also true for this sec- for this uh, third season already of Star Trek Discovery. It seems like they always have to kiss on screen on the mouth, and I'm thinking, well, it it, it doesn't serve the story. It, it it doesn't really help the characters either. In a sense that I I think it's much more interesting to go, to, you know, really do character development instead of just a kiss for for show. Um, that's. Kind of sometimes what I feel like, I was like, oh, here we go again. Um, like they put the story on hold and now we need to make a point. And I don't know, I got a little bit tired of that. So I don't know, I still think that overall Discovery is doing a great job. But it's it's this again. It's a different type of, of approach, and of course, Disney is doing sometimes the same thing with their series, with their movies. The choices that they make, maybe also stories they don't want to tell or don't want to tell anymore. So sometimes Disney also can be a little bit over the top politically correct, or um, what I and and again, don't don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing the fact that these shows and movies or stories are reflecting what's going on in society. I'm all for it. I think it's important that, you know, again, it, it has to be relevant. But what I do criticize is when it doesn't serve the story, when it becomes this isolated thing, this point they want to make, and again, using the story as a pretext to make a, a cultural or a political point, I think that's just bad writing. And it doesn't serve, it doesn't even serve the, the, the point they want to make. Um, and I've, I've heard this criticism on Star Trek Discovery as well. It's like, why do the LGBTQ characters have to be so, <laughs> in a certain way, so so stereotypical? Is that serving the LGBTQ community? Um, not everyone identifies with that kind of behavior. So I don't know. It's tricky. It's tricky to do this well. And I sometimes feel that Star Trek is going over the top with that. Whereas Star Wars is maybe because they're just, kind of focusing on these mythological themes that are of every society, every that you can find in every culture, it stays relevant longer. But anyway, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so maybe that's just my uh, limited view or my prejudice. But, uh, man, going back to The Mandalorian, there were some awesome moments in there visually, storytelling wise i also always love this i've loved this from uh, about the mandalorian since th- since it started i love the pace of that series i love that it 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 doesn't try to rush things you you can watch it and just dwell in the story and i feel like most of the episodes are just allowing you to just take it in it doesn't overfeed you with information or new characters or a lot of action there is in every episode, there's a ton of action, but you also get ample time to get to know these characters, see their interaction. The dialogue writing is amazing, so much better than in the movies, where the, the Star Wars movies always feel rushed, and that's on purpose. George Lucas was known to, uh, to, say, to tell his actors, okay, let's do this again, but faster, and his editing style, and of course, uh, for the, at least for the first few movies, he was heavily involved in the editing process as well with his back then with his wife um, it was extremely short and and fast paced and maybe that is why we keep re-watching those movies because it, it just it, that's even true for the JJ Abrams sequels uh, and Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson. Um, Everything is going so fast that you need to go back and wait. So what really happens there? And they don't give you a lot of backstory. The Mandalorian is the total opposite. It gives you total uh, freedom to explore what's really going on in the minds of every character that you see. And because it's a television series, uh, at the end of a season, you still get a lot of story elements and a lot of storytelling, but the pace is even slower than with Star Wars Rebels or or, or the Clone Wars, and I think that's the strength. That's probably why people enjoy it so much. Um, I've got so much more to say about Mandalorian, but I can't without spoiling it, so if you want to watch that, make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash father Roderick, because that is where you will find my spoiler-filled uh, analysis, thematic analysis, just like last year. Uh, but this time, it's going to focus on the season two. <laughs> Catholics rock! It is election time in the United States, unless you live under a rock. You will have noticed something about presidential elections. ...peculiar bunch. No meat on Friday. No meat? What do they eat? Light bulbs? And so, even though you may be listening to this after Tuesday or Wednesday, but I still want to talk a little bit about faith and politics. Man, you guys got more crazy rules than blockbuster videos. And that always is a little bit of a, of a tricky topic. Religion is already very, you know, kind of a, like a hot-button topic. And uh, some people will avoid talking about religion at any cost, especially, you know, during Thanksgiving or with their family or friends, because they know how how divisive it can be. Uh, because it's something very important to people. And the more important it is, the more you can have opposite opinions and, you know, wars were started about religion. And the same in a certain way is true about about uh, politics as well. And um, I'm not from the United States, nor are a lot of you. But we also have uh, a lot of people from the US uh, that I consider to be my friends. Even though Politically, they might be at total opposite parts of the spectrum. And one of the things that I value about my relationship with, with my listeners is that we always find so much common ground. There's so much to be excited about, to share. Uh, and, and it's that joy that I hope kind of is tangible when you listen to my shows. That joy is so much stronger than you know, whatever political strive we may have and i think it is totally legitimate that people have different opinions when it comes to politics and there wouldn't be a democracy without that we we the politics is one of the areas where we learn to respect each other and to work together despite our differences and so politics in a certain way is part of the game it's part of life it's always been part of our our human Cultures And there are people that are uh, very negative about politics. It's only dividing us. It is, uh, it is polarizing. But I would say that is just the way the game is played. But politics as such are, are, are very valuable and very important and we should all partake in it. Now, that doesn't mean that the way in which this game is played and the way we've seen these uh american elections play out that that is a shining example of how you should do it i would i would have big question marks with that i think that uh, a lot of a lot of my american friends are suffering from the division and the polarization and especially the lack of respect for each other in the political landscape in 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 the us and and so i can empathize with their worries for the future, because usually the the, the attitude, behavior that people display and, and in a certain way train when they're having these political debates is also something that will eventually also start to influence their other uh interactions, there are other social interactions, and I think that is, that is definitely going on in the u s where almost everything is political now. you can't and th- 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 speaking about Star wars, this is one of the things that I noticed a couple of years ago, especially when uh, around the time that Ryan Johnson's uh movie came out, but there were already traces of that before that that the the um, the sphere of star wars fans was uh, and as a sphere i'm i'm saying just what i always consider to be my family you know this this community of star wars fans was getting sour and divided and there was a lot of fighting going on about where star wars would go and what it shouldn't do or what it shouldn't have done but it wasn't a fan discussion anymore. It became a political discussion with proponents of the J.J. Abrams line and, and people that completely romanticized the, 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 the time that George Lucas was still in charge. Um, there was a lot of, uh, I would say, uh, discontent and anger about the, the kind of Star Wars stories that were being given to people. And I I always looked at that with, a certain amount of, of bewilderment. I've always considered Star Wars to be a gift, and every story, every movie has had its its amazing qualities and also its flaws, and that that is what I enjoy because it, these are human stories. So of course they have flaws, uh, and and uh, we can't, you cannot write the perfect story. There is no such thing as a perfect story, and so. I always felt that that at first I interpreted this as a kind of a display of maybe a spoiled generation, and I kind of put myself in the. Uh kind of, you know, grumpy old man position of, oh, these youngsters, they don't know what to be grateful. We had to wait four years to see another Star Wars. Do you know how long I've longed for a new Star Wars movie? And it took years and years and years before we got to see The Phantom Man, and so, of course, we loved everything. And these youngsters, they just want to have it their way. They want to have their personalized. But then I started to notice that there's actually much more, there was much more going on. This was also, I think, a reflection of the the early days of the news algorithms completely messing up the the way people looked at things now you know how this works right the algorithms especially on youtube and facebook they always they look at your behavior they analyze it constantly and if you display a preference for a certain type of video or story they will give you more of that knowing that what feeds the machine what generates income is engagement so the more you click the more time you spend on these social networks the more business it means to its to their owners but the algorithm has a very dark side almost diabolical consequence and that is once youtube knows what you want to look at i'm just Taking YouTube as an example, you know, once you clicked on a few of those uh, often very sensationalist videos, like Kathleen Kennedy Kennedy will be fired because so and so and so, they will continue to give you more videos. You can test this yourself. You know, do you like andeves? I'm not a big fan. I do eat it, but click on a, a you know two videos that show you a recipe for andeves, and then. Go to YouTube the next day on your front page. What will you see? At least four or five or six videos uh, raving about Andes. And it might very well be that you actually really dislike Andes, but it will show. So imagine a Star Wars fan that is not really aware of what's going on, clicking on this sensationalist title uh, and at, with a, an accompanying... Thumbnail, saying, Ryan Johnson will be fired and will never do Star Wars again and Kathleen Kennedy will also be fired. You know, they want you to click on those videos because the makers of those sensationalist videos want to generate revenue. They know that how more outrageous their news is, the more people will click on it. The more you click on it, the more of these outrageous videos you get. This is definitely what happened to Star Wars. And I think ultimately, when you when you only watch these and there were a ton of conspiracy theories as well about Disney, about Star Wars, about J.J. J. Abrams, etc. Uh, and I think this happens not just in the Star Wars realm, this happens in all these different, you know, spheres of interest that we are that we're part of or not. And what it does is that if you only get that information from social media and Let's be honest, we don't, many of us don't read newspapers anymore or watch regular TV. We we just click on what we want to see. And so the algorithms feed us more of this content and it starts to narrow your view of things. I see the same thing happening in the Catholic Church or, let's say, the Catholic media realm. All these people that are, I am against Pope Francis because he did this and he did that. And and, then so much anger, so much to me, inexplicable hatred and, and one-sidedness. But it is because these people only see similar videos that confirm their, their, the bias that has been growing, and you never get any other uh, opinions. You, you, you just don't get to see that anymore. The same happens on Facebook as well. Now, this is, I think, what also, of course, is even more damaging in the political realm. Uh, these algorithms are feeding your political bubble. And so, if you are for one candidate and against the other candidate, the, the algorithms will know that and will feed you more and more. And and again, what makes you click? It's the outrageous stuff. That is why fake news had such a field day for years, feeding us these incredibly in- crazy stories and well, if you only if you if you see one video after another confirming that it's uh, look at COVID, how much disinfo- disinformation there is, and it's so dangerous because it will it will completely thwart your uh, your 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 perspective. It will make you believe that what you see, because it's the only thing you see, that is the truth, and it, it can also make you extremely. Um, Suspicious of any other information, so when it comes to politics and faith, because that was the original topic of this segment, and turn into a bit of a soapbox <laughs> uh, talk about uh, the danger of, uh, or at least at least the dark side of the algorithms um, that are that are, you know, controlling the machines. Basically, um, the 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 problem with with politics. And faith is that the same thing is happening. Uh, you you get... Um, there may be very valid reasons for um, American listeners or m- m- friends that I have to vote Republican. Because of uh, topics, moral, ethical topics like abortion, euthanasia, etc. Um However, there is much more, of course, to politics than just those issues. They're very important issues, and you know that I have a very strong opinion about those. Um, but in politics, of course, it's always about looking at everything. You know, being pro-life is not uh, limiting your view, or shouldn't limit your view, to just the topics of abortion and euthanasia, How important, no matter how important those are but it should also translate in, in how we treat foreigners, migrants, etc., how we treat the environment. All those are also important topics. Now, some people will say, but there's nothing more important than abortion and euthanasia and, and these, these, let's say, uh, very um, black and white uh, pro-life issues. But you also have to look at all the other... Segments and there may be very valid reasons for Catholics to uh, to not vote Republican, at least not not right now, but vote uh, uh, to vote for the Democrat. Uh, the, the what is it? The Democrats, um, not because they agree with everything that that party does, but because they feel that the society also needs uh, you know a, a, a different direction in other realms. The Catholic Church. Now I want to make my point. The Catholic Church has always emphasized that taking part in the political process is very important. If you have the right to vote, vote. Because there are so many countries where you're not able to vote, you're not allowed to vote, you end up in prison when you want to have any political influence. So take, make use of your own responsibility, because ultimately our society is what we choose to make it. And, and use whatever influence you have to reshape the world according to your values, but if we don't partake in a political process, if we just zone out, um, blaming the polit- political process, we forget that we also play are a part of that political process. And not voting is also a way to to determine the future. It's 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 a non-vote is also a way to vote in a certain way. Um, so, but the Catholic Church will also always defend your right to choose the party that you want to support. And so the Catholic Church will only give you general guidelines and moral, um, let's say, considerations, things you need to think about. But it will never tell you to vote this or to vote that, let alone say that if you vote for this or that party, you're not a Catholic. And unfortunately, there's been quite a bit of that on, on the internet. Um, people demonizing each other because they're voting for another party that they support. That, I think, is, um, is not doing justice to how the Catholic Church has always been very nuanced and, and, and very much about your own personal responsibility to make the right choice. And it will I will never tell you what to vote. I don't want to take sides. Actually, if you know me very well, I rarely talk politics. It's not because I, I fear politics or I'm not involved. Quite on the contrary, I follow the, the uh, the entire situation in the United States. I've been following that for years now. It's it's fascinating to me, and it, I'm also very very much interested in what's happening now. Uh, the, the process itself, not just the political side of it, but what is happening in American society, because I think that it is, in a certain way, announcing certain certain trends here in Europe as well and other parts of the world. So there's a lot to learn from the political process, the way it unfolds. What it has shown me over the years is absolutely how important media are and, and also the downsides of that and the risks of that, uh, because media is... in at least in in the united states is very much you know related to money and to streams of money and who is financing what and who owns which channel i've seen the same thing happening in in italy as well where at one point uh the the um the president back then owned large parts of the media and used those media to promote himself and to promote his business it, it, it becomes very dangerous when uh, you lose a certain freedom of press and when the polarization becomes so big that, you know, some people will not be able to freely speak speak their minds anymore because, you know, it's dangerous. And and so I have a number of uh, friends that are worried about where the United States is heading, that it becomes dangerous to speak your mind uh, and, and to... Uh, to share your, your political opinion. And the same is, I think also true in certain Catholic circles where, where certain Catholics will be afraid to say that, well, maybe they're not in agreement with certain, you know, church politics or whatever, or, or, uh, or, or things that they, that, that, that their bishop said or not, you know, um, I believe that there is, if there's one lesson that we should learn, or relearn, it is to listen with respect and to always consider that we are more than our political or, or even religious opinions. There is something much deeper that unites us, that binds us together. Looks like I'm promoting the force here, but it's true. that We are brothers and sisters. We're called to, at least as a Christian, I can say, we are called to be brothers and sisters. Would you kick out a family member just because that person votes for a different party? Of course not. If some, if your one of your children decides to no longer go to church, or maybe embrace, I don't know, Buddhism or um, the the Spaghetti Monster, <laughs> whatever, would you kick these? Would you would you bra- break the bond that you have? Will you no longer consider to? them to be family, I, I think we'll, we'll do everything to stay in touch and to, if if you love your family, if you love your children or your parents, you will, you want to be family despite your differences. I think we should, we should apply that same attitude to our entire society and always respect someone on a deeper level than just looking at, does that person agree with me? And and it's with pain in my heart that I see sometimes these discussions in the Star Wars realm. When when I say something positive about, uh, like the other day, I was uh, referring to um, the rise of Skywalker in in my homily. And some people applauded me for, oh, I'm so glad. I hated that movie, but I'm so glad that you re- refer to that particular scene. Other people is like, oh, I'm just no longer watching you because you are positive about The Rise of Skywalker. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. This is just a movie. This is just a story. Um, why would you reject everything I am and unsubscribe from my channel just because I happen to like a movie that you disliked? I mean, I'd, I don't hate you for disliking The Rise of Skywalker. Actually, I can I can follow some of that criticism, and I probably agree with a lot of what you say, and, and, but I will also see value where you don't see value. And the same is true, I think, with our political opinions um we shouldn't hate each other let alone excommunicate each other just because someone put, uh, you know ch- votes to emphasize certain certain aspects that per- that that person th- thinks are important in society in the future uh, th- w- we're all in it to improve our country to build a future that is better than the one that we're currently living in well we're not living in the future but You see what I mean? We all, every choice, this is something I learned from Thomas Aquinas, uh, the, the, the great philosopher and theologian of the Catholic Church. Every choice is motivated by a positive choice, even though we may sometimes mistake certain, you know, something to be good, even though in the long run it is not good. But every choice that we make is a positive choice. It's always a choice for something. So, and, and that's true, that's so deep. So always consider a, a choice that someone else makes, even if you don't agree with it and, and you're worried about it, but consider that that person is wanting something good, even though you may not agree with, with that, that, that it's good, but you can still validate and respect the fact that that person also tries to make the world better. And look at, try to look at that. Before you look at the differences. Does that make, make any sense? This I know this is a complicated discussion, but I, I don't think I'm I'm I can offend anyone by saying that you don't become poorer for listening. Also listening to people that may have a completely divergent opinion. But don't don't demonize them, don't don't discard them just because they think different from you or vote differently. We are all granted the gift of living on this planet together, and I think that God hopes that we will find each other, and that maybe by listening and by talking to each other and by talking about our differences, instead of hating and, 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 and you know stuffing our ears because we don't want to hear the other person, um, maybe that process of listening can help us find solutions. But it, it it requires empathy, it requires patience, self-restraint, all the values that Saint Paul talks about in the Gospel, or at least in his letters. All that is so relevant for today. And I'm almost always a bit puzzled when I see self-proclaimed Christians, you know, display really hateful behavior, and at the same time, you know, in the in, in on Sunday they're. They're in church reading their Bible. I'm thinking, just go look at what St. Paul gives you as advice and, and, and ask yourself, am I really following this? Or do I just have the Bible in my hand so I can smack other people on the hat with it? All right, that's enough for, t- for today, at least. I'm going to go and talk a little bit about books. When did you become an expert in thermonuclear astrophysics? Last night. The packet, the extraction theory papers. Am I the only one who did the reading? All right. Reading. I did read, or at least I listened to an audiobook, which is a lot of fun. It's called Stephen Fry in America. It's um, uh, a book version of a journey he made in, I think it was around 2008, uh, for a documentary series on the BBC. Well, if you look at that documentary, I found actually a few of those episodes on YouTube. Uh... Those are the gold golden years of the BBC. That budget must have been through the roof, unbelievable. Uh, the the um, what I loved about it is that it, Stephen Fry, of course, uh, is is an incredibly funny uh, guy, someone who is who combines, and I think this is so British in a certain way. He, he has this incredible sense of humor, great talent, at the same time, lots of personal struggles and issues. He's, he's been fighting uh, depression for many, many years. Uh, he, life has not been kind to him. Um, and at, and yet there's always a self-deprecating humor, I think, that may be also kind of part of his defense mechanism to... Um, to, maybe I have to uh, do something here in the chat because uh, some people are not being respectful of each other. Hey, I'm talking about this, so it uh, always baffles me that people uh, can be so intolerant. I w- i always wonder why why pe- why why are people um, watching the stream if they don't like what they see? I just don't get it. Um, okay, let me just go and hide a certain user here. Hopefully that will create a little bit of rest. I always dislike it when I have to, you know, <laughs> manage a kindergarten while I'm trying to do a show. Oh, well. It, I, I think it only stresses the point that I was trying to make about respect. Uh, but Stephen Fry made a series where he travels through every state in the United States. Incredible. I mean, oh, I, I wish I could do something like that. I've always loved travel series, travel TV. I did a little bit of it on a super low-budget uh, level for my own TV show. And I, I still... this one of the biggest sacrifices that we have to make right now is that we can't travel. I can't go anywhere, not even to the, unit in the United States. And so, anyway, I, um, I would love to, uh, to do what he does but in the meantime, I'm just living vicariously through his adventures, and he wrote down a lot of his experiences in a book um, that he also reads in audio uh, form, and it is so good. Oh, oh my gosh! I can highly recommend it, especially maybe if you're American, because it's always fun to hear a foreigner, someone who who is not familiar with your country and 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 its um, peculiar uh, peculiar uh, aspects of it. Um, and 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 kind of show you the mirror, and sh- give you back feed, give feedback on on your country and and the things that you take for granted. It's a ton of fun, and he does it, in a, in a, you know, very well. He's not mean spirited at all, actually. Um, I think he he at one point uh, explains w- that he could have been an American almost. You know, he could have lived there, um, and so. The book is called, uh, this, it's the same name as, um, as the series. It's called Stephen Fry in America. Um, and I would say if, if you have the opportunity to listen to the audiobook, maybe it's on Audible, I'm not sure, uh, definitely go check it out. And the book is in a certain way richer than the television series because this was just a series, I think, of eight episodes. They did a sequel to it in 2015, just four episodes because, of course, it's super expensive. And I know from experience, one hour... That may seem like a long time, but you have to cut so much of what you film. And so the book is much richer and tells a lot of stories that you won't, you won't see in the television series. Um, plus, it's read by Stephen Fry. And he, I mean, he read the entire Harry Potter series. Now, there is an American Harry Potter audiobook series, and there is a British a Harry Potter series, read by Stephen Fry, and he explains in in one of his biographies that uh, when he was asked to read Harry Potter, the Harry Potter books, back then, Harry Potter was completely unknown, and he was like, I don't know if I should do this as a children's book, and he got into talks with uh, J.K. Rowling, and then ultimately decided, oh, what the heck, I'll just read it. (laughs) <laughs> and then he got stuck, of course, for this, this huge series that was just go- growing and growing, and all the voices that he had come up with, he had to maintain them for years and years and years. It's an incredible uh, um, accomplishment, I think. Um, but he's a, he's a great reader and a great writer. So, again, I highly recommend It's called Stephen Fry in America. And um, if I think of it, I will also include a link to those youtube episodes or at least to the first youtube episode that i was able to find on well on youtube and uh, maybe you'll like it just as much as i did Things in Outer Plutonia. How many times have I told you not to wear your space boots in the house? Go to shape, I'm mean, you to donate my body to science fiction. Get your suit on! We need you. This is my science fiction slash fantasy segment where I Talk about stuff that uh, you know I couldn't get around to in the movies and TV show segment, um, and and today I just want to talk about a general trend of these streaming platforms to cancel science fiction series before they're finished. Before and and this is an on and it it's it happens much quicker and much more often than in the past. Of course, Netflix is a huge treasure. Trove of 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 TV series and movies. They've got so much that you sometimes you barely even know that there's that that a certain series is on, and it gets canceled because it doesn't attract enough viewers. I'm thinking it's probably not the fault, not always the fault of the writers or the creators. It's just because there's so much to watch. How often am I on on Netflix and I'm just browsing through and like ah, I'm not sure if I'm going to watch it. I'll watch that later. I watch that later. I put it on my list or. I just skip it, and then I'm thinking, oh, what happened to that one series? And then I go on the main page of that series, and it's canceled already, which makes me not want to invest in watching the first season because, well, it's canceled anyway, and I'll never know how the story ends. So, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff, and not so good stuff, that gets canceled, I think, prematurely, just because there's so much to watch. In that respect, Apple is the total opposite. Apple TV is very... Restricted, they, they don't have that much right now. And I'm not sure if I would want to pay a monthly fee for what they currently offer because it's it's so limited compared to the other platforms. However, I think that Apple, I w- I'd be curious to see their numbers because I would, I would imagine that, that people that have Apple TV will probably watch a, a great amount of or at least a great percentage of what they offer Whereas with Netflix and with uh, with uh, Amazon Prime, a lot of good stuff will get lost because it's such an avalanche of uh, of content and, and people's time is limited, as is mine. So uh, I just hope that uh, Apple will continue to. The one great series of which I've watched a few episodes was that alternate history of the landing on the moon and... It was helmed, of course, by uh, Ronald D. Moore, which can't go wrong, in my opinion. Um, but I do hope that uh, they will continue that uh, that series and will bring it to completion. And maybe Apple Apple has deep pockets; they don't really need to make money. I think on Apple TV for them, it's a way. It's a much. It's part of a much bigger. Uh, strategy of getting people into the Apple ecosystem and especially now that they've just launched Apple One, which is a subscription where you get Apple TV and then photos and uh, online storage, music, all that in one package, that will give them a fixed income stream, the services that they need to continue to expand in the future because of course hardware sales, at one point everybody has a phone and well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Apple a little bit more in the tech section, but uh, I think that uh, people will... Apple is going to try to create more and more revenue from these combined services. And so even if Apple TV doesn't do that well, if it's part of a package deal, then people will probably still sign up for it. And what I like, for instance, from Disney+, Plus is it's not as big as Netflix. It's not as big as Amazon Prime. Um, and so I, I actually watch more. I like to have a limited choice. It sounds completely contradictory, but one of the th- it happens to me quite a lot that I go to Netflix and I browse for about five minutes, and I and I switch. I switch to Disney Plus because it's easier to choose because there's not so much to choose from. And I think with Apple, it's probably going to be the same. So let me know if there's anything that I should watch. Uh, and check out. I, I can't possibly keep uh, track of every science fiction series that is launched, but I'd love to at least watch some of that stuff while it is still in production so I can hopefully help uh, you know save save the, the storyline before it's canceled. Um, one example of a show that was canceled, I talked about it a couple of, a couple of episodes ago it was away. Uh, about this uh, mother it was uh, traveling to mars and it was a bit slow and i can understand that maybe not everyone had the patience to watch that entire episode but it wasn't wasn't bad i mean i think if this was 10 years ago i would have completely loved it but uh, it's just a little bit too slow in the first season and well maybe it would have become very good uh, in the long run but got canceled and again, we'll, we'll never see how it ends. Ay, ay, ay. But fortunately, that's the upside of having a lot of choice. There is a lot to compensate for. If one series is not finished, well, you can just move on to the next one. We are on the cutting edge of technology. Wow. Well, what does that mean? Let's plug it in. It's going to say, hey, I see you've plugged in a new device and it's gonna load in the appropriate drivers. You'll notice that this scanner built, whoa. Well, all your technology stuff, it just ends in disaster. But there is one more thing. There is one more thing, literally. There's gonna be one more thing. Apple just announced, before I started recording this, an event, another event on November 10th. It's gonna be one of those pre-recorded events from the Apple headquarters. And the title is One More Thing. Now, of course, that is the token phrase, I think it was 10 years ago that they used it for the last time. It was the the one thing that that Steve Jobs used to uh, to do at the end of a presentation to introduce a new category of products. And uh, I think the last time it was used was to introduce the iPhone 10, which was quite, was it the iPhone 10? I think it was. Well, maybe not. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, it's it's always, it has to be something special. O- otherwise, of course, you will kind of devalue the, the excitement for that one phrase. So, you know me. When I read that one more thing, I was like, oh, AR glasses. Only to read five seconds later that it's probably going to be the ARM processors in the new Mac line. Um... So I was like, there was another clue that it's going to be the new MacBooks. And when I, I have to explain this, maybe for not everyone will know what I refer to. But for many years, Apple has uh, used Intel-based processors in their uh, computers. I'm not talking about the iPads or the iPhones, uh, but the 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 MacBook and uh, the the regular iMacs. All that was based on Intel processors. Now, Intel has been struggling quite a bit to keep up with, with the Joneses, and uh, uh, if you look at how Apple has improved its own uh, CPU uh, uh, technology, look, look at the, the, the quality of the r- most recent Apple devices. The iPhones and iPads are more powerful than any other computer right now in the market, including the very expensive ones. Uh, whereas Intel... Uh, Takes a lot of time to update their processors, and of course, it's a it's a it's a third party for Apple. They have no control over that process, which I think uh, made them want to switch away, move away from Intel, and focus more on their own infrastructure. And now that they've done so much uh, to to develop the 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 chips inside the phones and inside the tablets, they're confident enough that they can run this, they can use these this same processor technology in their computers. And so they've been preparing this because, of course, if you change CPUs, just like when they changed from the PowerPC to Intel, that was a massive operation because all your software could become incompatible if the moment you switch to a completely other uh, uh, CPU. And so they've been preparing this for a long time, working on a new operating system that will kind of make the transition possible, just like they did with Intel when they first introduced the, the, even the concept of their computers running on Intel chips. They, When they announced it, they already had... Mac OS running for two years on Intel chips and nobody knew. And I think that 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 is exactly what's happening right now. Apple is ready to to announce the shift. And I think, well, from the looks of it, it's going to be quite a revolution for Apple itself. I'm not sure if this will impact a lot of people. And that is why maybe the one more thing I kind of expected something else, because if this were were AR technology, like, for instance, the Apple glasses, you can bet that that is going to be a major new product category for millions of people. Um, I'm not so sure about the Macs because not many people are using Macs nowadays. Now, before you start yelling at your, your, uh, your device on which you're listening to this, I know you are using a Mac, so I'm not talking about you. But still, if you look at the market share for, for Mac computers, it's very small. If you, compared to the Windows market, and um, so I, I'm not sure if if this warrants the title one more thing, but I can I I can imagine that for Apple, for their own strategy and the way they look at their future, it, this is a big deal, and it's and so it warrants the the title one more thing. the the AR little hidden message that they added to their invitation, just like they did last time with the uh, announcement of the, what was it, the iPad Air, I think, um, is a three-dimensional Apple logo that flips up like the lid of a MacBook. So you can bet that their first computer with this ARM technology is going to be uh, a a new MacBook. Um, And, of course, it will also have its own operating system. I'm kind of excited. I want to see what it does. But, of course, will I switch? Probably not, at least not yet, because I, I'm i pretty agnostic when it comes to the device on which I'm working. What is more important to me is does the software that I use on a daily basis, does that software work? And that brings me to the other thing that I wanted to share with you before I wrap up the show, and that is I finally made a decision about my next tablet. And yes, Cliff Ravenscraft, I'm talking to you you are right, and I followed your advice. I went for the iPad. I went for the iPad 12.9. That was not your advice. You told me to get the smaller one, but I I got the uh, not the this generation, but the generation before. And I also didn't buy it new. I bought uh, it's a refurbished version, not. Apple refurbished. It's a it's an Amazon refurbished version of the iPad. So I can always send it back if it doesn't work properly. But according to what I what I've seen, this should work almost as new. Maybe it's been used a little bit. uh, Maybe the battery. Maybe just not one hundred percent. But you know who cares? My previous iPad Air is. 10 years old or something like that, and it still runs. It's a little bit slow, but it still is my go-to device. And I, I use, my tablet is the most important device that I have. And so I knew that um, I wanted, so the, the argument that, that Cliff Ravenscraft used was, think not only of the device you get now, but think of the way in which Apple is, Faithful to upgrading older devices and how they will continue to improve the operating system, and continue to innovate for years to come. Compare that to Samsung when you buy the device, it's almost out of updates already. And it's true that Samsung will only update their phones and tablets for two or three cycles. And then they completely abandon it. And there will be maybe some security updates, but you will not get access to new operating versions of the operating system. But Apple, and I can, I can attest to that, with the iPad Air, they've been updating this, things, this thing for years. And so it's only recently that they stopped giving me access to the newer updates. So this one is running on, I think, iOS 12. Let me take a look. So this device is... This is just the original iPad Air. I don't know when it was made. It runs software version 12.4.8. But it still runs all the apps. Um, so I am I, I, I think that that was that's probably the best thing to do. Of course, Apple is a little bit more expensive. Well, a little bit. It's a, it's a lot more expensive than, than Android-based stuff. Uh, so you do pay the Apple tax but I mitigated that by going for the previous model and also for going for refurbished so in the end I'm paying what is it 813 euros this is euros 813 euros for an iPad Air 12.9 inch Uh, 64 gigs that's not much but I my current iPad also has 64 gigs I don't think I'll run any other, you know, the software that I have on this one, there's all like 60% or 70% of the apps, I never launched them. They're just on there for storage. So I think that in in reality, 64 gigs will be plenty um, because I usually uh, use my iPad for for media consumption to read. And that's, that, that is the reason that I ultimately went for the bigger uh, option for the 12.9. I knew that if I would have bought an Android tablet, I would also have chosen the bigger version because, uh, this is true, when I read, it's so much more relaxing when when it's a big surface. This is even true for magazines and especially because I'm reading a lot of comics on the iPad. The 10-inch, or what is it, this is a 9.8-inch screen, is just too small. And I don't think that 11-inch is going to make much of a difference. However, 12.9, and I know this because I've seen these devices in the stores that it feels to me like the right size it's probably just because i'm a grumpy old man with bad eyes so (laughs) with that i think it is time to wrap up this show um for all my american listeners don't despair whatever the outcome is of the, the election you're a wonderful country wonderful people just always ask yourself how can i change the world don't let it depend on just the politicians. You have a responsibility as well and you have the possibility to make the world better wherever you live. And that is true for all of us. I thank you for making my world better by granting me the privilege of your time by your support and encouragement. And uh, yeah, thank you for that. Makes it definitely a joy always to record these shows. For my patron followers, I've got another hour for you and in Father Roderick to the Max. I will give you my secret recipe to genuine traditional Dutch pea soup. I will tell you about what I learned on the internet this past week. And I have been formed and tutored by the Queen of Cleaning on TikTok. And I will tell you all about it in the show as well. I'll also talk about uh, the liturgy. That's uh, another staple ingredient of Father Roderick to the Max. And this time I'll explain... What's the deal with these communion wafers? What are they made of and why? And I'll also talk a little bit more about recent video games that I played and about my current favorite video game called Ganshin Impact, a free, uh, I think it's a Chinese RPG, which is amazing. So, anyway, if you want to listen to that and much more, make sure you are a patron by going to patreon.com slash You can already become a patron for as little as, what is it, two fifty dollars per month. And you'll get access as well to a wonderful community on Discord. It's my private Discord server, so no trolls in there, only good, friendly people. So, uh, all that and more for my patrons. And if you for whatever reason are not able to support me, this show will always be free and it's here for you and hopefully you'll enjoy it. If not, well, there's plenty of other stuff to listen to. Thanks and I'll talk to you soon. God bless.